Okay, the playoffs are here. Uh, we do not have a team in the playoffs officially, so now I'm just watching reruns of Friday Night Lights. It's kind of a bummer, actually, around my house. But last weekend, we started a, a new three-part series entitled The Best You. What would it look like for you to be the best version of you? What would that look like? And if you were to describe you on your best day, what would that day look like? If the New York Times <laughs> were to come to your home to interview you, and you knew on Monday morning they're going to show up, they're going to interview you, and they're going to ask you one question, here's the question, what are the keystone habits that you have found most helpful in your life? How would you answer that question? William James in 1892 said, all your life is but a mass of habits. Our lives are made up of habits. Even the habit of the person who wants to go against the status quo and be spontaneous and resist having a plan, that's your habit. God, in all of his wisdom, has given us habits that will help you become the best you. Habits are meant to help us build a life of significance. And God tells us, here's what will make your life a true success from God's point of view. Here's how to know that you're on the right path. So I want to spend some time today laying out a plan that identifies the habits required to continue growing spiritually throughout your entire life. There's a verse in Joshua that helps us with identifying a, a cornerstone passage, a cornerstone habit, and it's in Joshua 1, verse 8. It says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be able to be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So our first habit is continual meditation in God's Word. How do you meditate on the Scripture day and night? We're going to talk more specifically about this later on, about what this means. But, but the premise here and the promise is this, is that the premise is if you meditate in the Bible day and night, the promise is you'll prosper, you'll succeed in life. So what do you do? Are you a parent, uh, a father, a mother? Do you own a shop? Are you an engineer, an architect, a designer, a CEO, an athlete, a student, a counselor, a designer? What do you do? What is it that you want to do really well in life? If you could be great at, you fill in the blank, this is what I would want to be great at in life. This verse, Joshua 1, verse 8 says, it says, whatever that is, that you want to be great at in life, that if you'll build your life intentionally, if you'll create a habit around meditating on God's Word, God says you'll be successful. What do you do right now that you're starting to succeed at? Is there something in your life that's going really well and you want to sustain that momentum? You want to continue to do well in that area of your life? Have you noticed how our lives are a mixture of, of highs and lows? That's, that's just life. But how do you succeed long-term in any area of your life, in a relationship, a career, in any area? How do you, how do you succeed long-term? You know, through the tragedy and through the triumph. 
Well, the Bible gives us wisdom in this. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. There it is again. That person is like a tree that's planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. A person who has this continual habit of being in the Word of God day and night will be like a tree that's planted by streams of water. That means that you'll be regularly refreshed. The root system of your life will will be refreshed and renewed on a daily basis. You'll be drinking it into your being, faith, hope, and love, large doses. It's like liquid vitamins. Tracy's really been into uh, kombucha. Kombucha. She's actually making it at our house now. It kind of looks like a still when you go into our kitchen. It's, uh, but it's kombucha. And uh, there's also coconut water and all these great drinks that you, can, that you can drink in. Do you immediately feel the effects? Not usually, not immediately. But as a result of this habit, your life will produce this this life in every single season. How many seasons are there? Well, there's four seasons, right? And in each one, you'll be the best you. Maybe some of you know what it is like to, to have a favorite season. Maybe you'd say, you know, I'm just a summer girl. I like, I like the sun. I love the beach. Or I'm a summer guy, you know. I like the barbecue, you know, chilling and grilling, you know. In fact, on Friday, I barbecued. I actually barbecued uh, in between storms. It was kind of dangerous, actually. Um, but uh, maybe you love the winter. Maybe you love all of this rain, and it gets you really excited. And maybe you should just move to Seattle. I don't know. But you just, you just like that, and you like sitting by a fire and maybe a book. Maybe your idea of a, of a perfect day is a stormy, rainy, cloudy day and sitting by the fire in your house. But, but for others of you, it's like, no way. The rain just brings you down. It brings you gloomy. You can't even smile right now. Right? It's just funny how people react to seasons, how it changes their mood and their perspective. To one person, a rainy day is gloomy. To another person, it's cozy, and it's reflective, and it's peaceful. Well, according to God's Word, if your daily foundation is deeper than the seasons and moods of life and the activities that they bring, you can maintain a positive mindset and have success throughout any season of your life. What's the number one thing that you can do to have a lifelong healthy marriage? What's the wisest thing you can do as a parent to raise great kids? God says, meditate in the Word day and night, and you're going to prosper. You're going to succeed in everything you do, and your leaf will not wither. You'll remain strong and fresh for every season that you go through. You won't burn out. You won't lose your vitality and love for your family, for your life, and for the work that you're involved in. Whatever you do, you'll prosper. That's an amazing promise. These are great benefits to the keystone habit in your life of being with Jesus, spending time with God. The Bible uses several words to describe this habit. It's called waiting on the Lord, being in His presence, just waiting and being with God. It's called remaining, remaining in the vine, remaining in Jesus, remaining in the presence, staying there. It's called abiding and meditating 
on the Word. The Bible is called the living Word of God. This means that it has this ability to transform you. It's like when you drink it in, something happens inside of you. It's kind of like a scene in a movie where, where a child goes over and there's this big, thick, ancient book that's on a pedestal or a desk, and, and they open this ancient book up and the light shines out of it. As we go to the Word of God, it, there's, this living, there's this living light that comes out. There's this transformation that takes place. And you know what? Suddenly, your thoughts are smarter than you are. There's just, you, you get clarity. It, it may not be the specific verse that you read that day, but there's something in your soul and your spirit that you drink it in and you, and you have clarity. Oh, I know how to fix that now. I, I, I see what I need to do with this team or, or this area of my life or my business. You can see what your, what your son or daughter should do next, what school they should go to. You have, you have wisdom for the life that you have. And again, it's not necessarily just even that verse, although oftentimes it is, but it's this living word that comes inside and it works inside of you. The light of God's word, it permeates your being as you meditate on it. You know what it's like if you've ever gone a long period of time, maybe days or maybe even weeks without just reading the Word of God and soaking it into your life. You know what it is to, that when you come back to it and you start to do it, something feels nourishing about it. Something feels right about, about that. It's just like going back to the gym. You go back to the gym, oh, this feels good. Well, actually it feels miserable and sore and achy initially, but then it feels good later and you go, this is the right thing. As you meditate in the Word of God, as you ponder it, there's an accumulation of wisdom that begins to grow in your life. It's not always just the words that you read. It's what you're taking in. And so when, when you read the Word of God, just be aware of there's this living Word that's coming into my life. Now, how do we know this? Well, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of your soul and your spirit, the joints and the marrow. That's deep. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. So as you read the Word of God, it begins to read you. It begins to course correct you. It begins to, to deal with the things in your heart that aren't so healthy, the perspectives that aren't so healthy. It transforms you. It, it heals uh, depression and oppression and, and, and wrong thinking, it helps center you in life and the way that you're living. In our home churches, we, in, we encourage the Word of God to be paramount in that home church. And the reason for that is you can have great discussion and talking, but if everybody's talking, that's wonderful, but it's only the Bible or the Word of God that's living and active and powerful and transforming. I can have a good idea, but it's the Word of God because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so as you open up that Scripture and you read that Scripture, just a verse or a line, it has amazing power to change you and make you the best you. It's this meditating on the Word. It's this pondering on it that feeds your soul at, at its deepest levels. Can you tell I'm a little excited about it? I, it's, it's been my life. It's all I've ever known in Him, and it's helped me through every season, every tragedy, every difficulty, every challenge, every stressful moment of my life. I have found it anchored in the Word of God. And it's not just the knowledge of God's Word. Knowledge is good, 
but it's when the knowing goes beyond your head and it actually becomes this relationship with Jesus. I'm convinced that many people are not involved in church life because they don't actually have a living everyday relationship with Jesus. They hear it referred to and talked about, but they're not sure, how do I do that? How do I actually experience that? How do I know when God is actually speaking to my life? And so I want us to look this year... And I want to talk about your approach to Scripture and how it can transform your life. When I was 14 years old, it was between, uh, I believe it was 8th grade and ninth grade, I remember one summer I had a growth spurt, and I grew 4 to 5 inches in a 3-month period. I mean, it was incredible. But you know what? It hurt. I mean, growing pains, you know, when you're stretching like that, growing pains are called growing pains for a reason. And some of you, God would say, this year, you're going to grow a lot. And it might hurt a bit. There might be a little pain involved, but that's not a bad thing. It may require some sacrifice. It might mean you're getting up a little bit earlier to have your time with God, spending time with God before you start your day. It may be that you you, you call it a night sooner so that you can abide with God and spend time with God and, and, and work this plan of your own spiritual growth. It's about making space in your life to spend time with God. Romans 12, verse 2, it's an amazing verse. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, its good and perfect will. If you want to know the will of God, take large doses of the Word of God into your life. It'll give you wisdom. Do you want to succeed in life? Do you want to be the best version of you in your family and in your career then be a person who's developed this one keystone habit of spending time with God. This is how you'll know the will of God. It's how you'll learn how to hear the still, small voice of God. He's a good, good father. It's how you can know the will of God for every area in your life. It was said of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it was said that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus had this growth mindset. He wanted to learn. He wanted to apply himself. It was Jesus who modeled for all of his disciples that followed him. He lived a life of prayer and meditation. In my Bible, I have it highlighted and underlined frequently throughout the Gospels. It says that Jesus withdrew to solitary places. He had this regular habit of spending time with God, spending time with his Father. It was Jesus' custom every week to go to church. Jesus went to church every week. Do I have to go to church every week? I don't know. That's up to you. I'm just telling you, for Jesus, he did. Jesus had to go to church every week. It was something, it was his life. He had these keystone habits about his life that made it all work. It wasn't just one thing. It was the collective thing. It was, he went to church every week. He was involved. He started the very first small group or home church. And then it says he withdrew into personal devotions and solitary places and prayer with the Father. And it was all of this working together that created this healthy Jesus that was wise, that grew in favor with God and with people. It's just so healthy. I mean, even in our world, in our society, they talk about just meditation without even having God in it, just an awareness of the importance of slowing down having a moment in your day or several moments in your day that you pause and you reflect. And for us as followers of Jesus, we learn to rest or listen to the Word of God. The best you 
cannot be found apart from the living Word of God working within you. If the, if the Word is over here, and I'm running, and I'm working, and I'm doing everything I can to do, it's not going to be my best version of me. But if I'm in that Word, and I'm drinking that in, and it's part of my life, it changes who I am, and I became the best version of myself. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. You see, the Bible teaches us how to live deep in a shallow world. It anchors our lives. And when the world says, love debt, the Bible says, run far from it, flee it. When the world says, live for you, the Bible says, give your life away. The Bible has counterculture values. And the more time I spend in the Word of God, I grow closer in relationship to God's values and God's heart. The Bible teaches us that we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. I need to take care of my physical body, my will. I need to replenish that, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. This series that we have coming up in a couple weeks called EQ is about you can only grow as, as spiritual as your emotional health, and they're connected. We're going to talk about those things in the weeks ahead. But your spirit, that part of you that lasts for eternity, whether with God or separated from God, spiritual growth is not automatic. Just sitting here does not necessarily mean that you're growing spiritually. Some of the meanest people I've ever met go to church, right? They don't go here, right? How do you grow in your relationship with God? If we could interview you right now, what would you say? How do you learn how to hear God's voice in your life? How do you know it's God and not you talking? And then how do you measure spiritual growth? I mean, are, are you more spiritual after this last year than you were the year before? And if you are, how do you even know that? How do you measure that? Ephesians chapter 4, it says in verse 11, so Christ gave himself, or gave, Christ himself gave, and he's going to list people. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we'll no longer be infants. We won't be babies. We won't be complainers. We won't be tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and then listen to this, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. People are motivated by so many different things. Isn't that true? It's through these gifts that God uses people to help us grow spiritually, to learn how to be the best you. I've been walking with Jesus for 46 years now. And you know what? You never arrive. There's no arrival I'm always learning. I'm always growing. And when it comes to, the most, to, to most anything in my life, I kind of tend to lean towards uh, idealism. You see, I, I want to know, I want the ideal relationship with God. I want the ideal relationship with people. Um, I, I want to know the best. I want the most effective way to do something. I want to know the perfect way, if, if there's a way that exists. And like last summer, I, I, wanted, I wanted the best barbecue sauce. 
I didn't just want any barbecue sauce. I wanted the best barbecue. If I'm going to barbecue, I want the best barbecue sauce. And so I researched barbecue sauces, and I learned a lot about them. And then I narrowed it down to five, and I bought all five. And I came home, and I put them on the counter, and I opened up the lids, and I taste-tested them. It was a wonderful moment. And then, I, and then I barbecued meat and applied it to the meat to see how does it, how does it change. And, and I narrowed it down, and I found the very best barbecue sauce for me. And I can tell you that there are many effective ways to spending time with God, to learning God's Word, to growing spiritually. And you're going to need to discover for yourself, you know, what works best for you in the different seasons of your life. Every year at the end of November, uh, I begin to spiritually, for me, anticipate January. And I, I begin to think about my habits. I begin to think about my plan to grow spiritually in the upcoming year, to keep my relationship fresh and passionate with God. What will be the method for my plan for what I would call my personal devotions or spending time with God? And so this year, I was thinking about the early church leaders. And I went back in history, uh, and I went back to the book of Acts, and I was thinking about the original apostles and Peter, James, and John, and how they'd been with Jesus uh, for three years in the Gospels, how they had large daily doses of the living Word of God. Imagine that. You're just hanging out with Jesus, and when He talks, it's the living Word of God. And then Jesus ascends to heaven And he leaves his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to teach and to lead us through his word. Do you ever wonder how they did their devotions, how they spent time with God after he left? Jesus ascends to heaven. He's gone. It's been a year, two years, three years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 100 years, 200 years. How did the early believers, spiritual fathers, connect with God? What did their devotions look like? How did they stay in tune to the Holy Spirit and stay fresh in their walk with God? What helped them to hear God's voice in their everyday life? You know, there's so many ways to connect with God and to grow. There's so many Bible study methods, and there's great daily devotionals, uh, Jesus Calling, Sarah Young, Upmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers. Right now, I'm doing Morning and Evening, Charles Spurgeon. There's all these great devotionals. And then there's these Bible reading plans and whatnot. So here's what I want to do for the rest of our time together. I want to share with you some options that have served me well, both new and old. And I want to talk about our spiritual growth plan as a community in 2016. And so in your programs, you're going to want to pull this out. There's some notes, some detailed notes. And if you didn't get a program or get these notes, you're going to want to take these home with you. You'll understand why in a few moments. But I want to talk about our spiritual growth plan. First part of our spiritual growth plan, number one, is daily scripture reading. For many years, I use an outline called SOAP, which stands for S, scripture, O, observation, A, application, P, prayer. So I would choose a Bible reading plan at the beginning of the year, and whatever I wanted to do, if it was the whole Bible, part of the Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, whatever it was, I would choose that Bible reading plan. I would get out my Bible, I'd get out my journal, and I would write the Scripture at the top of the journal and write a big S in the margin, Scripture, and I'd write it out. Then I would observe what is in this verse or these verses, what is it saying? And I would just write the observations that I see from this verse in a big O. Then from these observations, 
what is God saying to me right now? How does this apply to my life? What's the application of this verse if it was being lived out in my life? And then I write a big letter A. And then I write out my prayer, and I put a big P by that. And I found that by the writing out of my prayer, and I, I do verbal prayer throughout my day, wherever I'm driving or going as well, but I found that in my devotional time, spending time with God, by writing out my prayer, I really had to be very intentional about the thought and the communication of what was going on. So that's one way, the soap, one way to spend time with God. So this past December, I went back and I began to study afresh church history. Who were the leaders that followed after the apostles? Do you know their names? I mean, we know the apostles, but who led the church in the, in the second century and in the third century and the fourth century? What were their names? And most importantly, how did they do their, what we call around our house, we, we just shorten it, call it devos, devotions, devos, or spending time with God. What was the framework that kept them growing spiritually? And here's what I learned, and here's what I want to pass on to you. The first century is called the apostolic age, the original apostles. And the notable leaders, you all know them probably, Paul, Peter, James, John, etc. But who led the church in the second century? The second century church fathers were called the apostolic fathers in that period of time. And those leaders were Ignatius and Polycarp and Hermas and uh, Clement of Rome and so forth. Then during the third century, the next hundred years, in the third century, the apostolic fathers were people like uh, Origen, Tertullian, uh, Clement of Alexandria, uh, Justin Martyr, and so forth. But one of the most famous of all in that third century, his name was called Anthony. And he was in a gathering much like this. And the scripture that was read that day was Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. And it says, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. He hears this verse and it just grips his heart and he decides to do this. And he immediately goes out and he sells everything and he moves to the desert to follow Jesus. He becomes part of a great movement referred to as our Desert Fathers, and they dedicated themselves to work, to solitude, and prayer, and the practicing of God's presence. So the first key is daily scripture reading, and then the second, number two, is daily prayer. Daily prayer is another key habit to continual spiritual growth, and not just by yourself, but intentional times of prayer with other followers of Jesus. You know, Tracy and I uh, you, you kind of just develop rhythms over the years. We, we go for drives and we pray. We lay awake at night and hold hands there in bed and we pray. Uh, but there, we pray with others. Did you, I don't know if you know this, but on Friday mornings at 6.30, a group of men come here from our church family and they pray every morning at 6.30 before they go to work. You're welcome to come. Uh, during the 9 a.m. gathering at 9.30, there's a small handful of people that meet upstairs, and they pray for what's going on here in the auditorium. And so if the talks aren't very good, it's really their fault. Okay, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. There's so many groups that you can pray with. Our home churches, they pray together. But during the third century, what was the means of spending time with God, of conversing with God? while they were reading his word. And so I want to talk about a very popular method that's known as Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina, it's Latin, and this is the reading of scripture in the context of personal prayer. Lectio means reading, 
Divina means divine. Lectio Divina is this organic Holy Spirit guided process. There's no fixed rules, but there's guidelines to follow. And I'm going to share with you the four simple steps, and you're going to love it. But Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. And then he says, and all the other things will be added unto you. It is such a huge step of faith to spend your, your day with God when everything around you is screaming, go, 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 do, do, do. It's, you, you talk about, for some of you, tithing being rough, learning just to trust God with your money. Learn to trust God with your time, to actually start your day with God and, and, and to trust that that time is somehow going to leverage everything else in your life. That's a huge trust. To seek first the kingdom of God in every area of my life, God's promises, and then all the other things, all the other success, all the other things you need will be added to you. And so one of the things that I'm enjoying about this particular approach is it keeps you rooted in the truth while you're being engaged in a very prayerful spiritual experience. St. Ambrose said, we speak to him when we pray, we listen to him when we read the divine oracles. This is one step-by-step process whereby you can gradually learn to let go of your own agenda in prayer, prepare your heart to open to hear from God and what God wants to say to you. Since the ascension of Jesus, followers of Jesus have communicated regularly with God, have heard what the Spirit of God is saying to them, and they've lived it and acted out accordingly. You actually can have a living relationship with God. I hate spiritual disciplines. Why would you want to do... I don't even like the word discipline. But I am very interested in a life-giving, breathing... I mean, if you knew Monday, 6 a.m., Jesus in the flesh is sitting in your living room... Would you look forward to that every morning? I do. Lectio Divina was a tool for personal devotions, and it came out of this hunger for an experience with God in a living relationship. And so they began to do this. And God, God wants to speak to you. What the early apostles understood is that the living word that they walked with was now being manifest through the Holy Scriptures, and that he wanted to be better than your best friend wanted a great relationship and meaningful relationship with you. You see, your whole walk with God changes when you learn how to hear His voice and commune with Him. It changes everything. So here's the four steps of Lectio Divina. And again, this is just one way. It's very similar to SOAP. It begins with Scripture, capital S. So I write out the Scripture at the, at the top of my journal, and then I read the scripture very carefully in a real focused manner. Sometimes it helps to read it out loud very slowly and reflectively. Read it with reverence. It'll change it for you. Read it with, this is the living word that I'm reading. And as you read, then look for like key words or themes or ideas that come to mind. Any passage of Scripture can be used, but I would choose one that's not too long. So I use a devotional where it's just like one verse or a phrase, so I'm able to focus just on that. So that's Scripture. And then M, meditate. I write down what are the key words or themes or ideas that I see in this verse, and I reflect on it, and I ponder. I like take it in. I I drink it in. I, I listen for what God wants to say to me through this meditation, through this verse. 
And then I write a P and I write a prayer and I write out, I pray out loud, not, a, not God bless Susie, God do this, God do that, God. No, I, I actually just pray the verse, pray the scripture. What's my meditation? I pray it back to God, what I'm seeing in this moment in scripture. And my prayers become inspired as I reflect on the word of God. I imagine that Jesus is right there with me. The living word is with me, communicating through this verse to me. And then C is contemplation or contemplate. I write down immediately what I hear the Spirit say. I listen for the words that come to, your, to, come to my mind. I call it resting in the Word of God, listening. I listen at the deepest level of my being for that still, small, quiet voice. And I listen and I write it down. And you will be amazed at what will begin to happen in that moment. And it's all because of these steps of this process of transformation. You start with the Word of God. You're anchored in truth. You're reading Scripture. You're meditating on those thoughts. You're praying about that. By the time it's time to hear from God, you can hear from God. His Spirit is right there with you. Scripture, meditation, prayer, contemplation, those steps. It's a very, very natural way of hearing from God. You say, well, what, what if I just hear weird things? No, you're in the Scripture. You write it down. The reason I write down in journal is I want to learn when I miss it. I want to learn when I heard the right things and when I heard the wrong things. And so I'll write what I feel like God's saying to me, and then I test it by the Word of God. Is this, is this in agreement with the Word of God? If I feel like something, if God's saying something predictive to me, I can write it down and I can see later, yeah, that was right on, or wow, that wasn't, you know, I don't know what the bad coffee that morning, Right? Many people have a very unfulfilled prayer life because they see it as a discipline that they have to go do rather than a a relationship they enjoy. If I have an appointment with you every week, hopefully I would enjoy you and you would enjoy me. I would look forward to that. In fact, I know I would. I, I like that. I like people. It's good, huh, that I like people, right? Oh, how much more spending time with God? I don't, I don't, I don't have a, it's not like a discipline. It's like, I just look forward to it. It's my joy. It's my, re, he's my refuge. He's my strong tower. He feeds my soul. I love that movie that just came out, Creed. It's based on the Rocky movies. It's such a great, great movie. But some of you will remember the old Rocky movies. The best part about the movie besides him making the comeback in the ring was his training. It was so fun to watch him train. You know, the music would start, and he'd run, and he'd do, you know, chase chickens or whatever he was doing, and, you know, lift logs or whatever. It was like, it was so inspiring because he was, he was preparing to do something great. And I want to give you a, I want to give you some preparation steps that are going to, that are going to anchor you. Can God just speak to you anytime he wants? Absolutely. And he does. Can we go directly to contemplation and communion? Absolutely. But this process will increase your ability to hear from God and commune with him. So, like Tio Divina, you're reading the living word, you're meditating on God's word, you're praying God's word, and then your heart is ready to hear what God has to say. Whatever plan you want to pick, whether it's soap or Lectio Divina or whatever it is, the important thing is that you do it. You prepare yourself. You do what it takes to get ready. So 
I like to get, I, I, I research all the Bibles and I figure out the Bible that I want. And I get the best study Bible that I can find, going back to the barbecue sauces, right? I want to know that I've got the right translation that's right for me, right? And so we recommend the New Living, or we recommend the NIV and the New Living Translation for a lot of reasons. And there's other good translations. Don't get me wrong, but those are good ones. And then I like uh, highlighters, but you don't want highlighters that bleed through the paper and ruin your Bible. And you don't want a bunch of tons of refillable pencils. So there's this one called Pentel. You can, you can Google it or whatever. It has refill. It's one pencil that has eight pencils and colors in it. It's awesome. And then if you're OCD, have a ruler handy, which evidently I am. I like a ruler, and I like to underline, right? And I, I just, there's something about underlining that word, right? I like doing that. And then a journal. Pick a really cool one. Pick one you really like for whatever reason. You just like that journal. You want to be ex- excited about opening up that journal because you like that journal. And then pick your Bible reading plan, BibleGateway.com, CCJournal.com. It's all there right in your program, in your notes for you. Uh, our friends at Jesus Church, they actually have a downloadable version that you can do. And then choose your approach. This is not Bible study This is contemplative prayer with the goal of learning how to converse with God and be transformed in his living presence. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures and you know them, but you haven't come to me. This is about a living relationship with God. So spiritual growth plan, daily scripture reading, daily prayer, and then lastly, and very quickly, gathering together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together. When is it neglect? I'll let you decide that. But Jesus' habit was to come weekly. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together. It says, as some people do. Some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So one of the main reasons that we gather here on Sundays and in our home churches is right here in this verse, to encourage one another. You know, A mature follower doesn't go to church for what they get out of the church. They go to the church to contribute, to be a contributor in what they're doing. They're not a consumer. They're here to contribute. That's called maturity. When you begin to judge churches like it's a checklist, like you're just shopping for the right kind of program, you're missing the whole value of the kingdom of God. We're here to serve. How can I contribute? How can I encourage? Because right now, if you'll slow down in that lobby you might have the word that someone desperately needs this morning. You might have the hug that they need, and you bring encouragement because you're here. But it's not any one of these things that replaces the other thing. We don't see that in Jesus. Jesus withdrew, had his personal time with his heavenly father, spending time with God. He had small group. He invented the first small group, home churches. He gathered together in the larger gatherings every single week. It was all of those things together. So one of the things that we're going to add this year is we want to add, I don't know what we're going to call it, but basically it's a worship night. And our first one coming up is going to be on Friday night, and it's going to be on January January 29th at 7 p.m. here. And it's an extended time of worship and personal prayer and ministry so that we can just spend time waiting on God. Rather than, you know, oh, now I got to go have lunch or the next gathering is coming in on us or whatever. It's just a time you can bring your Bible, bring your journal, worship, sit in the presence of God and hear from God for your life. And I'm really, really, really excited about that time. So remember that it's coming up. Can I pray with you? 
man, I'm excited to go spend time with God. I've enjoyed you, don't get me wrong. Lord Jesus, it's so good to be with you and to grow and just have our, just a hunger. I just pray that you would impart a hunger for righteousness, a hunger for God's people, a hunger to, to spend time with you and to know you and to love you and to love your word, to drink it in, to feed on it, and to hear that still small voice every day in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.